Welcome back to the uh, podcast, guys. We have Justin Kavanaugh, also known as Coach Kavanaugh, on here. We're going to give you an hour of pretty much unvarnished coaching, athletic development stuff. Cav's uh, got a lot of really good perspective on things. Uh, it's about delivering value versus focusing on money, uh, not coming in with rigid plans for athletes or even general population clients when you don't know the circumstance uh, they're going to be walking in the door with. Um, focusing on details, not trying to be perfect, and just some of his thoughts on what's being done really well in the fitness industry. Cav's a really cool guy. Uh, go check out his Instagram, and hopefully you'll love the episode. Shut up and sit down. Uh, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We're at episode 102. We broke the magical 100 barrier. Uh, we got Justin Cavanaugh today. A lot of you guys might have heard of him as Coach Cavanaugh or Coach Cav. Uh, I don't think most people even know your first name. Uh, we <laughs> He's the CEO of uh, the Sport and Speed Institute. He's a strength and conditioning coach. He's been in the business for 17 years. He's an author. Uh, it, too bad you can't see the video because over his right shoulder is a poster of his book, Man Up. And uh, he's a pretty prolific public speaker, presenter. Um, and coincidentally, he's one of the only guests that Dean and I each have met completely separately of each other just through our travels. And uh, welcome on, man. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be on. And uh, not only did I meet you in separate place, uh, separate like times, but separate countries and yeah. not Canada, U.S. too, because I just kind of like lump you guys in. Well, I met you in... in Jamaica, of all places. So it was a lot of fun too. What <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was one of those things where, like, like what I expected to get out of that trip with coaching runners, and then kind of what we ended up doing. It was just, it was just chaos, and it was awesome. Like, <laughs> I guess you expect things to be on Jamaica time, but like, there, there's a, there's a legitimacy to that. Yeah, like well, like, yeah. So Jamaica time is like ten times worse than what we thought it was yeah like i expected it to be really shitty and slow and it was like slow and slower than slow and like no one know, knew what was going on but it like worked out awesome in a weird but hey way. man everything's gonna be all right we got it under control well i think that's how we bonded was over like was over that there was no control and i think both of us like things a certain way and like it, it was it was a realization within the first few hours that it was not going to be like and yeah, there, there's a lot to said about that is that when it could be that way and it still works out, that's when it's good. You know what I mean? Cause it worked out amazing. Right. And to, to not only to the attendees, but to the athletes and to the, you know, everybody else that had that experience, it was phenomenal. But what's really cool is like, you know, sometimes, you know, um, the structure, cre you know, makes the event. Right. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes the lack of that makes the event. I think in, in that situation, particularly, that's what made it. I mean, you know, and for anyone and, and Andrew in Seattle, it was literally like, hey, you want to go to lunch? Let's go. You know, and it was just I think sometimes the, the, being able to be free is allow allowing us to connect at a different level, which is super. Yeah, because cool. we went. Uh, no, I think it was uh, Jared and Brian Murray was. Yeah, we're, 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 we're right now. I remember that we sat down this pasta place and yeah that was actually a really good event i met a lot of really awesome people there and uh yeah i thought most of the speakers are pretty fucking world class you know you go to an event where there's 25 people speaking or whatever there's going to be one or two that uh, aren't so hot but sorry i met sam pogue and we've had him on here and sam's become a pretty good buddy so just one guy that i thought was really awesome you're talking about jamaica and <laughs> things not kind of going according to timeline so that actually goes to one of the things i was going to ask you because you, you pop up a lot of really good quotes on your social media, and I mine this stuff for ideas. Um, and one of the posts recently was about not having a rigid plan for athletes. Uh, and you can't predict how they feel, how they sleep. And obviously, this is not an argument not to plan at all, but it has to be flexible. A lot of coaches can actually plan stuff out, and they get real fucking stressed out when things don't go the way they want them to. So I, I wanted you to kind of elaborate on that. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll dive really deep into like the training side of it, right? Because um, we could take this conversation anywhere, but specifically in regards to like coaching athletes, and and I would say, and I would say this is at the highest level of sport. Um, you want to work within a framework, right? Like there should you should have some like true principles. You should have a, a methodology and a philosophy around how you uh, how you coach. Um, 
but if you're not adaptable and you don't have that kind of pliability, right, you, you know, you're going to break. And if you don't break, the system is going to break an athlete. And that's normally what happens is the majority of people, they're not willing to let the athlete dictate um, the process. Remember, training is not a prescription. It's a process. And if you have the expectation that you're going to be able to like constantly stay with the same level of, you know, same dose or the same percentage of whatever you throw at them, then you're going to do one of two things. And this is just my opinion uh, over being in the trenches for, for as many years as I have. And I'm, I'm not a history teacher, right? Sorry, Dean. Right. But I didn't have multiple careers. Like this is all I've done. It was a gym teacher. Gym teacher. Gym teacher. Right. Well, history. whatever. You, well, that, that you know me. Uh, teaching history. I, I respect the history teacher a little bit more than the gym teacher, frankly. I'm going to lead with the meathead one. All right. So, which is still true to this day for you. Yeah. But um, my point is, is I've never done anything else. I've just coached. And what I've known is that <clears throat> with athletes primarily, um, they don't, they all have different personalities because they're people. Right. But if you keep the same prescription and you keep it consistent for everybody or everything or, or for that same one person from the time it starts to the time it ends and you don't take in, you know, a very multifactorial approach to how things happen, what ends up happening is you're going to leave performance on the table, right? Which is like one of the biggest fears as a coach, but the greatest concern is injury, right? So if you don't have the ability to understand like, Hey, some days you just don't feel it. Right. You know, we've all been there before as athletes and as, as coaches where we're just, we're just not on, right. We feel heavy. We feel slow. We're, we're lethargic, right. We feel some days where it's a rest day or we're not supposed to go hard, but we feel good. Right. And that's when we kind of push the pace a little bit. And if you don't, you're leaving, you're, you're leaving money on the table. So this level of like control that everybody wants to have or be perceived to have, in my opinion, pretend, uh, presents an opportunity for us to, 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 diminish the quality of coaching and diminish the result that we want to get. And I think that's an opportunity for us to look at and go, okay, if we could expose the moments, right. That change the plan, we could start to actually measure where maybe we could go wrong and then change it again for the next person. Well, and that's, it's this, a pattern recognition, really. That's yeah. all it really is. That's a lot of coaching. It is pattern recognition. I like to, to point this one out. If you've ever had that experience as a coach where it's almost like you get precognition about what the person is going to do and you're offering a cue to keep them from doing it before you, you know, you, that you recognize, you see it. People think, oh, like you're just anticipating this shit. No, it's pattern recognition over, you know, however many years of coaching where you see it so quickly that you just know what's going to happen next almost before it happens. Like, phys like by pure physics, no one should be able to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball yet. There's a lot of guys out there rip at home runs off these things. It's it's just so instantaneous that your pattern recognition after time just becomes that quick. You, I, I had this like question because you brought it up in terms of rigidity and like the inability, they're, they're leaving money on the table or performance on the table. Do you think that's because of the way coaches are being brought up? Because they're almost being brought up through systems. And even if you look at every freaking seminar, there's letters behind their name for a model or a system. Like, where do you think this is coming from? Because it, it happens all the time. It's probably because it's easier. But what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think most people are naturally lazy when it comes to their coaching, right? I also think that there is a um, there, there's a level of like um, a pride associated with the, the workout or the plan and the structure, yeah. and that then drives the um, their value to the client or to the, to the athlete. So it's like, basically this is the game plan. I know what's best for, for you that immediately sets the, the, the tone where like I'm the coach or the athlete. Yeah. But in reality, right. It's all about this kind of relationship, right. And the closer you could kind of bridge that gap, right. The, the more likely you are able to kind of be on the same page as that athlete. So where does it come from? I mean, I think most of our beliefs are attached to something else that we believe in, right. Because that's what drives our perspective. So as we are looking through kind of this, you know, the looking glass, we're looking at it through a glass that is uh, based upon our experiences, right? And if that happens to be crystal clear, right, if, you know, to one person, and it might be very foggy to the next. So, you know, it's our job as coaches, in my opinion, to not only be adaptable, but go into it with the framework that is like a bend and don't break, right? And, and you don't know where the lines are until you cross them. So you got to have screwed up a few times in your career. Yeah. Like, did anyone say that you have it? you know, you're, you're making that mistake at that moment that you made that statement because it's a, 
living in a world where that is your that is the framework that you tell you tell yourself that story that is very dangerous right so you have to know like oh i've been down this road before as a coach and it hurt an athlete or we it hurt the performance and once you knew that and then you go back and you do reflection and you do a debrief even in whether it be solo or within a group what ends up happening is now you start to ask yourself and go okay what happens if what you do still wins right because we learn more from losing because we watch more game film yeah. we try to adjust more right we we miss that and then a coach looks at us and goes <laughs> it was because this is what happened to your knee in a lift right or it was because of this breath but if we won and we analyze the tape just as intently as we did if we lost automatically right we would be probably getting more performance out of the athlete because if imagine if we said okay this was the if we we pr'd and we looked at it as a loss even though we pr'd and we go what could we have done differently where do we leave where do we leave money on the table you know what 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 potential changes could we made what things could we make so the efficiency goes through the roof now all of a sudden the level of effectiveness the next time we come we, we do this is going to be better. And even if the result's not better, the heightened awareness arouses for an easeability of coaching. And if you can get your coaching to be at a super high level, but your ability to like actually work on it, the effort component is decreased, that's when you can actually start to be more aware around other environments that then change the prescription or process that you work with the athlete. And that's interesting because like I think I don't I don't, I don't know the true numbers on it, but I don't think a lot of people are going into winning situations, analyzing it to be more efficient because these plans generally come from people who win despite the fact that their plan might suck shit. Like we looked at Jamaica and we won't get into, <laughs> we won't get into that, but like they're winners. And I would say that in, in terms of in the gym stuff, their plan would be, it would not be what we would do, but yet they win. So it's, it's, it, and, that, and that happened in so many situations. Yeah, and I can't see, sit there and say what we would do is better than what they are doing. Exactly. But I could pretty much identify a lot where their problems are coming from. You know, if I got an athlete doing something and right after that athlete performs a certain exercise, they don't feel great or they feel a certain way. And then they're wondering why. And then during then when that happens on the track or another area of their life that are, is fall, coming back up, sometimes the recipe needs to be with less ingredients than it does need to be with more. Right. And that's what you want to do. You want to like pull things back. And then what you could add more or less of is salt and pepper, right? Because, you know, salt is an enhancer to ingredients. Pepper changes the flavor, right? Salt doesn't change the flavor. It enhances things, right? And you could manipulate those things based upon adding or subtracting. But if you just want to throw a bunch of stuff at it, what ends up happening is it just it, – I mean, it, it literally just turns into chili. You know what I mean? You're just throwing a bunch of stuff in the bowl – seeing what happens. I mean, you, you don't want to be making shakes with this shit. What you want to do is start to dial in the recipe, use, you know, the least amount of uh, ingredients as possible. And then once you figure that out, then you perfect it. Cause at the end of the day, longevity in your career normally comes down to injuries period. Yeah. And, and I don't care what anyone says, like an athlete who's less injured has a higher potential of success and longevity than an athlete who's not. And what happens is, is we don't know the damage that we're doing until many years later. So if we approach it that way and go, okay, you know, we won today, but is that sacrificing our performance in the next cycle? Possibly. Well, especially I with suppose your, yeah. you could go even further with this in some cases where bad coaching practices, bad behavior, certainly there's, there's a lot of good famous examples of, uh, fuck, like I'll use Tom Brady's, uh, the stupid diet bullshit that he's doing, the alkalizing diet. Sure. They're successful, not because of this dumb fuck shit, but in spite of it. So you get this survivorship bias thing happening where people are not only not doing what you're saying and, okay, we won, but let's actually look at this to see how we're better. They're actually think that stupid shit is the reason why they're, they're doing yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, if you really want to understand probably why you're so good, why don't you just look back at your parents? I mean, genetics plays such a huge role. And then I would actually, you know, too, that since you brought up Tom Brady, like, I think so many people don't understand, like, this athlete's mental strength and like perseverance amongst injuries and like naysayers and, and fucking hey, I'm a Raiders fan. So I hate the Patriots, right? Like just by a default. Right. But I can't do nothing but respect them. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, There's not leaders. one person on that program or organization from the top down that just doesn't operate at a world-class level. That's just the way they are. And if you're going to be in that environment, you're going to be kept to the standard in which they, they, they keep. That's just the bottom line. And because of that, you could be the worst guy on that roster and all of a sudden you leveled up because the standard in which that organization holds at thir- after 32 teams is such a difference to anyone else. And I think sometimes people don't understand. Like Tom Brady came underneath, you know, uh, came from Michigan, right? Mike Gittleson yeah. was the strength coach, right? You're not going to find a guy who's more mentally tough and is going to prepare you physically than, than that guy. You know what I mean? So a lot of people look at him and go, well, you look at his combine, right? The before and after picture is disgusting, right? You can argue with that performance. Like, shoot, I would take that body if that gave me, you know, if that gave me the results that he's gotten, right? I shoot. love Tom Brady. It was like it, he went on that one drive, like when they put him in, and he, you could just tell he was a winner because he was fucking so fired up. And like, how many rookies would be that fired up? But they, they'd be scared shitless. And he was, he was like the weakest, slowest dude, and he was like acting like he was the best quarterback in the world. It was kind of cool. <laughs> Not only that, though, look at the same drive he has today at 40-something years old. He's still jacked up. It's actually insane. This is – we've got a later question, and I'm totally going to steal it from Dean, but it's so relevant to what we're talking about here. Um, And it was another quote that you said. You actually quoted Leonardo da Vinci. It said, details make perfection, and perfection is not a detail. And when I thought of this – it made me think of Tony Dungy and like the famous uh, 49ers coach, Bill Walsh. And, and both systems are sort of famous as being uh, when, when Dungy went into the Buccaneers. They came in, instead of focusing on just trying to win, they focused on all these little small details. In some cases, almost seeming irrelevant, but they were establishing this, do the little things right. Each lineman, each person has to do their job correctly. And they built it from the very ground up of details. And both systems went on to be really successful. So I just wanted to see what you had to think about that. So, I mean, two things. One, that's a, it's interesting you bring up that story. I don't know if you know this, but one of my, my position coach in high school is a guy named Tony Nathan. Um, you know, Tony Nathan was a Hall of Fame running back for the University of Alabama, played 10 years in the NFL, and was the running backs coach uh, underneath Tony Dungy with Warwick Dunn and Mike Allstop. Um with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that was my position coach in high school. Um, and, and, and a phenomenal human being and someone who I've learned, you know, just so much from. Um, talk about like art of coaching. Like this guy, he would just look at you and you would change. He's not a yeller. He's not a screamer, but a very um, inspiring intimidation, right? Not someone who's going to need to yell, but he's just going to look at you and go like, he literally kind of questioned me like, is that what you got? Like, is that your best? Right. Because if it wasn't, if it wasn't even on a warm up, it was like, hey, are you good to go today? Right. Because if you're not, <laughs> you've got to switch your mindset. Uh, because even if you don't feel it, sometimes you got to do it. Right. No one's going to accept that, that, you know, kind of second tier. Um, and I mean, the reason why I quote so many other people is because I think they're smarter than me. I mean, I'd like to, you know, not, I'm not going to be the guy that's just going to, you know, just quote myself. Um, but I think like when you look at like the Da Vinci quote, I like to look at, uh, the story of um, using like another from an artist standpoint, you got the uh, Picasso approach, right? And Salvador Dali, where Picasso, Dali wanted to be met, like, like look up Picasso, right? Well, he would literally write letters to go back to Picasso and try to be mentored by him. And he, he always rejected him for years, right? And then finally, when he got, you know, his wife involved and, you know, women have a, a good way of kind of, you know, getting their way in, you know, however they need to and, and making it work. Right. So um, that then opened up the relationship between uh, Dali and Picasso and Picasso started mentoring Dali and Dali looked up to him and, and you start to, you start to see like his art change and you obviously started to see um, this level of inspiration from what uh, Picasso was doing. And um, he was literally like in his mind, like his mentor. And then as he as he went home, um, Dali sent Picasso a portrait that he made of him, right? Of what his in his mind what Picasso was, and Picasso looked at it, and he literally never spoke to Dali ever again. <laughs> Sorry. And I think that that's interesting though when you start thinking about like the mentor like like approach, right? When you think about the relationship between coach to athlete, because oftentimes 
we have in our mind the way we view ourselves and yet our athletes view us very differently. Yeah. Right. And most of the time, right. The reason why that to the perfection point is the fact that number one, you never know. And what you might think is perfection, right. And that stroke to be perfect is the, is the very reason why that is then replicatable, but imperfection, right. Is this kind of like, personality approach, right? And I, uh, a friend of mine, Sam Carucci, who does a lot of sales training, um, is from Miami, kind of with me, and and he uses the Gary Sheffield approach, right? If you follow baseball, like Gary Sheffield, everybody at point of contact with a baseball is, is coming through a flat, even playing field, trying to strike the ball with this, the thickest point, right? Because if you try to strike it with the thinnest point, right, it makes the opportunity for success in hitting the ball accurately lower. Makes sense, right? Pretty basic. So if you kind of visualize this, so at point of contact, almost every bat is pretty consistent. But what Gary Sheffield had done through over the years is just develop this personality. And if if I'm saying this right now over a podcast and you could visualize Gary Sheffield or any batter for that matter that it's at the highest level, they bring their personality to the table, right? So at point of contact, at result, at training, the technique is sound, right? So we don't need to add like stupid shit in our training, right? In order to gain the attention at point of contact, the technique is sound right before there. And maybe right after that, right. Going into that, you could have that bat flip, you know, uh, after you hit it, you could have the bat swing over your head. You could twist it around Mm -hmm. a little bit. You could do a little, you know, bag well, where you tip the bat, whatever that may be. That is kind of the art. That is the, the the personality uh, to the professional. But professionalism, right, is the idea that you could roll this up and it is it is dialed in, and the technique at point is always perfect. And Anyone that's who's... what happens is is trainers try to drive attention so they could throw like freaking you know they put you know damn you might as well just damn put a, uh, a you know a ball on their nose and call them a clown because that's what they're doing to gain attention. I mean, for fuck's sake, we have people that are taking five hours just to set up for a kettlebell eight rep deadlift and it's 32 pounds. It's like, are you serious? Like, did I miss the boat? Just grab it, pick it up. Like, I, and then we have the other people that are just like, you know, sitting on a BOSU ball doing squats still. Like how far have we come? Right. So my point to that in the spectrum of like the mentor mentee and the coach to athlete approach is like, you know, the art is in your personality, but you got to stay true to somewhat of a system. And if you don't have that, then what happens is, is you're going to be easier to be influenced because we're all influenced, right? Like I'm influenced by what I watch. I'm probably just influenced a little bit less than other people, right? Just because of experience, but we're all influenced. And the goal here is to start to figure out who your influences do you, who do you want them to be? Right. So you know what you want them to look like, and then you can work backwards to the career path that you want. Sounds like you made me think of the extreme example where you get a coach who goes off to a seminar for the weekend and they've been doing it for a few years. And all of a sudden they come away from that seminar with a completely new lens that they look at it through and they're doing all this fucking stuff with every client from that seminar. It's almost like they forgot all the shit that got them there in the first place. Let's say they go and do like something like, I don't know if it's FRC or some sort of kettlebell shit or, or whatever. And all of a sudden every client is now a kettlebell fucking person. Yeah. And I, I think you, I'm a big, you know, in a lot of ways, like I like to look at history and where things come from. Like my wife's Russian, right? Some of my mentors are Russian and you, you tell them to pick up a kettlebell and they're like, Oh, the doorstop. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just a doorstop to them. Like, it's not like this big tool that they use that changed their entire life for training. Right. Yes. Was it used at some capacity for strength training? Yes. But that wasn't the original intention. And I think sometimes that's lost into the marketing, into the flair. Um, but again, like, sound biomechanics is sound biomechanics and things that are not, you know, if you, the body craves, right. Biomechanical truths and the body craves those, those proper anatomical positions in order to produce the maximum power. Right. And I had a, I had an opportunity. I learned that from Dan path from, a, from, a, from a movement standpoint, but we all have our personality that comes to the table. But at the, what I can tell you is at point of contact, pretty much if you're not in a, sound biomechanical position, the risk for injury is automatically increased. It's as simple as that. So I don't know why we argue on things that are just basic, like physics and law. I mean, I would love to win a prize for 
change it from that, but that's not going to happen if you just stay true to what we know is is accurate. You're not going to win a prize. I'm not going to win a prize in general, personally. <laughs> Me, I, I don't know. I, I like that because you have a way with making stories fit your fucking quote. <laughs> but I think that everyone has their their new perfection based on this is where we talk about young coaches being influences. Like everyone's perfection fucking changes all the time when they don't even appreciate the details. Like you said, like the, the details are like at a squat, you have to be in this position to push up or otherwise it's shit. And like, that's not changing. Same thing with batting, same thing with throwing. It's people get lost in the details because they're, they're, they're just, I don't know. They get convoluted with all the noise, I guess. Yeah. And I- and I say this all the time. Like people say, like the devil's in the details. I don't think so. No. The money is, right? Yeah. The, the money's in the details. You're gonna make mm-hmm. more money if you focus on the details and the level of attention to detail that you have is gonna increase your opportunities. Period. Right? I mean, it, you could say like, hey, I, I yeah, I fit my story. I make my stories fit for a reason. But the re- the reality is, is that as a coach. Right. It's my job to connect the dots. Yeah. You know, someone's looking at the sky and they just see a bunch of stars. My job is to explain at some capacity to the athlete. There's the big dipper. There's the little dipper. There's your Ryan's belt. There's the North star. This is where we're going. Here's why. If I could connect those dots for them, they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be off track a little bit less. Or when they get off track, they're going to know that that's slowing down their progress And that level of autonomy in their education is then going to drive them a little bit faster. When you, but if you don't have, if you don't know your basic shit, right? Don't throw your personality in there. Like that's yeah. the point of the yeah. arc. You know, like like I don't give a <laughs> I don't give a crap about your personality if you suck at your job, right? Like go just just like just go be a receptionist because that's gonna that person's gonna make you happy. Well, it it brings don't up the person that's working in the back door that like the, the, that's the barber that's cutting your hair if you suck at it. There is a this. Oh, okay. Yeah, you please. Well, I was, I was gonna, gonna say. say Oh, I get go. Canadians, we're Canadians. I'm sorry. Let Andrew talk. Yeah, Andrew, I'm sorry. Over. You can talk. What I was gonna say was like you're talking about uh, all the, this um, this personality stuff now, and we we can harp on this. It's low hanging fruit, but when you get a, a visual medium like social media, something that's quick and instantaneous and attention catching, then what you're seeing, I think, a lot more coaches is the personality being the thing on display rather than the details because the personality, the unique shit that someone's doing their fucking Instagram is the thing that they think will sell them. So now we're seeing more of this situation where the personality becomes their brand. This is good actually, because this kind of leads into what we want to talk about anyways, because this idea of being a pro versus getting paid and and you've commented on being focused on delivering value and being a professional versus focusing on getting paid and why is this important? Because we look at this and we, we talk about the de- details, but these people are telling stories and they're getting attention and they're getting paid, but they, they're not necessarily good at their job. And I know you've talked about um, people in your space and you like everything in fitness until they're in your realm. And I kind of want you to touch on that. All right. So this, this kind of, you're bringing up something. So you got to have some context, right? Yeah. So, I'm going to get you fired up. So it'll be good. Yeah, exactly. Like what a dick, by the way. <laughs> um, so I, I'm in the sports performance world, right? Like at the end of the day, like the scoreboard matters to me, right? The podium matters to me. Um, people get into fitness, however, for so many different reasons. Right? I've had, uh, you know, people I've mentored you know, my mom is, is overweight or my parents are going through like, um, you know, health issues or my brother is, is, is suffering with depression, you know, or I've never really had anything I was good at. And, and if I lift weights, I just get stronger. And there's just like true, like linear progression where in other areas in their lives, they've never had that. So, you know, I find that to be fascinating. And I find that to, you know, I think that's pretty awesome that, you know, with a lot of respect, like that's why they got into it. So I don't really, I'm not that, like, I don't even get super, like, riled up with, like, fucking Beachbody or Zumba. Like, the crap doesn't bother me, you know? What bothers me is when you start telling me you're going to compete against me on the track or you're going to compete against me on a football field or you're going to compete against me and what you do is sports performance because at that point, like, dude, the gloves are off. It's a fucking fight. Let's go, you know? And if you're not good at what you do, just get the hell out of my lane. 
And, and I could say that because, you know, I put my money where my mouth is. Like my athletes are going to be on the field and we're going to go. And, and sometimes like, you know, look, 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 the chips fall where they may, you know, we win, we lose, but we go to work and we compete. But I'm not interested in having a conversation around why you think what you do is better than me when the only thing that you've put on the, on the table, right, is your fucking theories. Like, come out here and coach. Like, I at least, I, I will tell you, like, yes, I am giving some, you know, I have a, you know business experience. I have coaching experience to coach to coach, right? I have consulting experience from coach to other programs, right, to where I have to take the the, the whole macro into consideration when I look at a holistic environment where I have to look at everything from the volume of the athletes, the stress, the management teams to the, the, the physios all the way down to, you know, the, the athletic trainers and, you know, the assistants. So those are big, those are differences in regards to perspective. But at the end of the day, I'm giving advice based upon the fact that I have boots on the ground and my hand is in the dirt and I'm working too. And if I can't coach, Right. And and Dean, like I would have gotten exposed if you were around me watching me coach as clear as day. Like at the end of the day, like, can you fix that? Can you see what I see? If you can't shut up, I'm sorry. It sounds rude. It sounds disrespectful, but there's people today that are graduating from university with a degree in exercise science. And the only thing that degree tells me by a piece of paper is that you know how to manage a weight room. You know how to tell somebody that says that that comes to you and says, I want to gain weight. I want to get stronger. I want to get faster. I want to, to lose weight, right? I want to be healthier. I want to look better. Your degree, your one piece of paper says that you know how to do that by means of the weight room, right? Or by means of any sort of like physical training. And they don't even know how to fucking coach or they don't even know how to do a push up properly, or they will coach the shit out of a clean or a, or a squat, but you ask them to get underneath the bar and it literally looks like a melted candle. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're taking, if you, if you're deadlifting and you look like a bear taking the dump in the woods, like, I'm sorry, but I really don't want to hear your, your experience as a CSCS, uh, uh, exercise science, kinesiology degree expert. Like, sorry, bro. Just cause you took some freaking, you know, you know, yeah bullshit performance certification because all of a sudden you think that you know you want to work with athletes and help them become pain-free and help them become resilient like no you're full of crap and you've never worked with anybody before like your claim of fame can't be the fact that you've never coached that's the worst claim of fame that you could ever have well and this this leads into it like why are they getting paid because because what you described is when you they're leveraging affiliates. They're leveraging personalities and God bless their marketing abilities. And yeah. I have nothing against that. Right. So here's, I, I will flip it. Right. Like, again, I have no problem in the fitness world, but you get in the performance world and I have it. Now you're going to get me pissed off a little bit. But the reality of it is, is like, if you're a single mom selling Herbalife, like God bless you, go make money. I don't care. But if you're a coach that's telling me that's the best strategy for you to drive the health and fitness and wellness of your clients, then I'm sorry, but you have a you might need to check your has your this hap- has this happened? Because I just saw the doc- I I'm like I'm from Canada and Herbalife I don't know is Herbalife uh, I don't even know I didn't even know Herbalife was a shit thing. Up here. We have this shit up here, yeah. We I do. saw the documentary and I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, there. I don't know. I don't know if there's a documentary, but I can promise you they're probably not sponsoring the episode after me. <laughs> no, but they're they're what? really like. Does this show up in the athlete shit? Because like I like it's so big. I didn't know it was that big, but I can see like people actually trying to push that. And I mean, and that's just because whatever it is, it's, it's people's agendas. But I mean, if, yeah. again, like I, I look, dude, I'll be the first person to start helping people do it if it was again. Like I see it like. It gives single moms a, uh, an outlet for them to have a secondary income and then drive into fitness, which is, and most of them are, you know, stressed or depressed or going through a lot of things. Like, I'm all about it. Like, I don't care what you do. Good for you. Go to work. But it, once you start telling me, yeah. right, the fact that this is, you know, the healthiest, best strategy for you, then now we have to, little, we have to like, just, we have to have a clarity in regard to, to honest conversations and agendas. And if you don't, then it is what it is. Like, I, how about just telling you, like, hey, guys, like, I'm on this podcast because I've met both of you guys. You asked me to be on it. And fuck, yeah, I'd have no problem if, you know, 10 people after they after 10,000 listen to this say, you know what? I like that guy. And the 9,000 other people say, that guy's a dick. I'm like, I'm okay. But well, that's the agenda. We're, we're kind of we, – we, we trash people all the time. So it's, it's in a loving way. Like, what you're saying is that there's – I say trash. It's not even that bad. 
But what you're saying is like there's and if there's a piece to the puzzle that people listening to it, whether it's coaches or or clients or people who want to get into this fitness space, is that there's a difference between people who know their stuff and people who are looking to get paid because they're kind of in the space. And I think that even as trainers, if you're a trainer, you should take something away from this and that should be like you should know your shit before you start getting in the ring with people because like if, I wouldn't I wouldn't even dare to go to that speed thing in Kingston and be like oh like kind of question your method because I know that I don't know but I think that people don't actually know that in, in and I don't have a problem with anyone questioning me that's not the issue I have a responsibility and an obligation to educate on that platform I have a problem with this blind a, a blind um, following yeah. to someone else that has never done it but yet they are actually like, I don't understand how you don't have your own opinion. Your opinion is actually someone else's opinion. And that other person has no fucking experience in this, in this space. Because how? when you, here's the easiest telltale sign. If every one of your testimonials and results are another trainer in our market, you're full of shit. <laughs> I actually like that. <laughs> what do you think the solution is? And, and this is like an honest answer because like at the end of the day, you're going to, your, your career cycle is going to start and end and you'll be out. How do you, how do people get to, I guess, we'll just, we'll just say you're professional, you know your stuff. How do people get there? Because I think that that is something that is lost. And we've talked about this with our future projects in Jamaica is like, how do you get people inspired to like, take that step outside of just learning school shit? How do you get to where you're at? Number one, we talked about patterns. Andrew brought it up, right? It's about mm -hmm. identifying it before it happens. Um, and Dean, you've know, you brought it up multiple times where like, you know, when it's time for you to shut up and listen, and you know, when you could bring something to the table, yeah. right? Um, the more I was around you, Dean, the more I was like, why the fuck are you not talking? Like you need to like level <laughs> it up a little bit, right? You know, your stuff. And then, so there's a filtering mechanism that most people don't have, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll just believe everything. And the reason why they'll believe things is number one, great marketing or number two, they have an agenda too, right? So they want to be friends with that guy instead of saying like, maybe I want to be like that guy, right? Um, and I'm not saying anybody wants to be like me, but you might want to be like my athletes. My results are pretty damn good, right? I have no problem kind of throwing those out there and be like, hey, yeah, let's have a freaking measuring contest around that because I kind of win that one. Um, I, would, I would look at history for pattern recognition. Like when someone talks about doing certain things like an exercise why don't you just look backwards on where it was created right so you know somebody who like in the training space right i think we forgot the fact that there's people out there that have been there done that and invented this wheel we don't need to reinvent it Long right so like, to put lipstick on a pig right is just good marketing on bad coaching right but then to 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 copy somebody put your flair on it you got to shake it up a little bit give it a little bit of color make sure that it, 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 there's context around it and then give credit right and if you don't do that you're just dewatering the intention it's misinterpretation right so i i um i bring ian king into my facility i put up what i'm doing on the board and i tell him you know this is your stuff that we're implementing right what's wrong with it and he goes it's a, it's a, it's the right, his response one day, this was, I think last year, his response one day to my entire staff and to me was it's the right idea. Mm -hmm. It's the right intention, but it's misinterpreted. And what you're doing is you're just basically, you, you've, you've got it conceptually, but you have, you've lost the details. So I was like, okay, well, well let's fix it. And when you, when you're okay with doing that, when you're willing to put your own product on just and people that expect automatically audit it and then help you grow, then you're willing to do it. But most people aren't willing to do that, right? My mentors and the people that I'm around, I mean, when I screw up or when I don't do the right, like if I don't bring the best that I can to the table because I'm missing somebody, they're going to chew me out. And they're going to tell me like you, the market, your athletes deserve more because if you help people, it will all come back around. But the majority, majority of people are putting out programs and, and, and marketing in order just to help themselves. Well, that was, I think that last point's the biggest one is because you can talk all, you could be cocky and, and, and present yourself the way you do. But I know that you have that attitude behind it, like where you're willing to put your ego aside, well, for, for the athletes and for the program. And I think that it, it shows, but I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that. 
and it's probably because of ego. It's probably because of their sunk <laughs> cost into whatever system, but like they're not willing to do that hard work because that's hard for most people to put their own shit aside to be better. Like it is. I mean, when I went to Kingston, there was zero introduction of who I was. And I didn't say, this is who I am. This is what I've worked with. I literally was like, we're going to watch you run. Yeah. And I'm going to see if I can help you. Well, they don't know who you and were. Like in Jamaica, exactly. like they, they're like, who the fuck's this, this Cuban looking dude? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, they, like you had to earn it because like these athletes were like, who the fuck are all these dudes? Like, I mean, they, what is it? What is it? Like, I remember checking in. I, I, that was the funniest thing. Cause it's like, so there's two things, right? Number one. Right. Um, I, uh, I come back my mom came up to watch my son, uh, to see my son for his, his birthday. And it was, it happened to be like on mother's day weekend. So I wanted to take her out to, to lunch. And as we get in the car, she's like, she's, she was asking me about, she said, my mom had knee surgery, right. To give some context. And she asked, um, she goes, so, Hey, what year did you graduate? And I'm like, mom, like in my mind, I'm like, damn, that's like, that's pretty rough, mom. I'm like, mom, you know, I didn't graduate college. And she's like, oh no, I know you didn't graduate college, silly. What year did you graduate high school? Cause she was just trying to reference like when her knee surgery was. And I'm just like, <laughs> my mom was the most angelic person in the world, but like talk about a dagger, right? Like she just throw out like, one of the biggest insecurities like, right, right in front of me. I'm like, dang, happy mother's day. Right. And then we go to Jamaica. Right. And I, as I go to like get in through like customs or immigration, wherever it is, like you give the lady the passport and she's like, you know, you know, work or personal. I'm like, work. She's like, what do you do? Coach. What do you coach? Like track. Like, what do you do? What do you do with them? I'm like, I help them get faster. And the look on this Jamaican lady's face was like, Just shut up. white, bald, bald, white, bald, fat dude. <laughs> you must be out of your damn mind. And it's funny because if you ask where my confidence comes from, it's because my mother will bring up my biggest insecurity, right? And yet some random stranger will literally question the actual thing that I'm known for. <laughs> so it's in those moments that you have to have this level of confidence because you have this level of awareness of like, yeah, mom, as much as that sucks, you're right. And as much as it sucks to not be noticed by a stranger, I still know how good I am. Well, and the problem is, is most of these people don't really know how good they are because they've never been exposed to great coaches. Well, that was one of the things that we talked about. So for some context, we had a lot of conversations about this, but the, the, the good thing about events like this, where we're in the trenches and we're spending time behind the scenes is that you get to see what good coaching is. Cause there's a lot, there's a difference between being at a seminar or certification and learning the model, but like, there's no fucking coaching going on in those things. Like, and very little, if anything. So you don't get to see like, I guess the perfection or the art in the coaching in those types of events where we got to see that in Jamaica and it's not to pump your tires, but it was like for these attendees and the whole point going forward is that they can see that level because you don't know what exists unless you're there. And, and there's so much shit in this space that you, you wouldn't know good coaching. You'll know good coaching when you see it, but it's very far, few and far between with a lot, a lot so of if times. You want, if you want to get humble, right. If you, or if you want to at least have perspective, perspective i'll give up uh, um probably one of the greatest humans in our industry and i don't mean coaches or doctors like humans dr ken kanakin a fellow canadian right uh founder of swiss it, it he says something that's like brilliant right. he goes, everything works until yeah. it doesn't and then that's when you know you're good or not yeah right so um I would, I would highly recommend if you, you know, you guys do, do events, you guys go to a lot of places, you go to Swiss and then you tell me that you stole the show. You go to Swiss and you tell me, you know what you're doing. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, um, you go talk to Eric Serrano, you go talk to Karim Dahani, you go talk to, you know, you, you got freaking the strongest man in the world. You got Ben Johnson, the fastest man in the world. And you literally have a German biologist right there. And you're literally thinking to yourself, like, how did the heck did I even get on this planet? and feel good about myself. Like that's going to slow down your social media role real quick. Yeah. You know? Um, and that, and that, I think that's a good thing, right? I think at the end of the day, that's a really good thing. Cause if you, if you take that back and you say, okay, what do I do? You're going to go get better. Right. But there's so many different factors of being a good coach that I think some people like all it does, right. Is a little bit of experience basically um, gives you a little bit of confidence. But then what happens is, is you, you start to expose yourself to what's really out there. The reason why people are hide from it is 
they don't want to have their confidence be shot. When it's hard work, it, it, the realization that the work you did was not hard enough and there's a lot more to it. Like, I don't think most people want to put the work in. We had Christian Thibodeau on talking about even like lifts and getting stronger and bigger and like people just don't work hard enough, but it's the same thing with coaching. Like yeah. some people are, are naturally gifted, but like you got to put the time in and the education. Well, if, you look at, like, if you look at Christian, right? So, um, and I have no problem like talking about Christian. I don't have a problem talking about almost anybody. You talk to um, but Christian is known for body composition and neurotyping, right? All he did, but people don't understand like where the foundations of some of that education came from, right? His both his parents, right, were responsible for creating, you know, personality tests. So he understands what that's like. He's lived it, right? So and he's a, like, he's legit, ridiculously smart, right? And everyone knows him for body comp. He's a freaking performance based athlete. This guy trained some of the best athletes in the world. We talked about this, and in fact, he sort of laments the fact that T Nation. And you like, talk about how that in the wake of Poliquin, they needed somebody to be their kind of flagship body comp guy. And when, in fact, his real passion is strength and conditioning, that's what he loves. Guys are fucking boss in sports performance. Nobody, but nobody knows that. So sometimes it's what you don't even see, right? You know, it's like, you know, I, that's why I say, like, you want to fix the industry. Number one. <laughs> Make sure the standard of entry, not necessarily – I like the fact that the barrier entry is low because the, the industry like expands and contracts over time because you never know who would have been in it, right? Like, Dean, you probably wouldn't have got into the industry after another career if the, no, the barrier that. was just as great as the first career you took. Yeah, so I'm thing. okay with the barrier of entry. What okay. I'm not okay with is people sitting on their pedestals teaching things that are completely flawed. Right. And the fact that you don't have an opinion and you're always going to live and die off of someone else's opinion, like yeah. have some fucking balls and have a conversation around what you agree or disagree with so we could have a true conversation to growth. And then put that <laughs> shit on the freaking, you know, on, on, you know, on, on the outs to then evaluate if it's good or not. Like bring somebody in and find out if, if, if what you're doing is good or bad. Like get someone else's opinion. And then that doesn't mean you have to take it, but you could at least say, you know what? I agree or disagree. But for you to not even be willing to look at it, like that's a problem. Well, and I don't know that – I think that the people on the pedestals are – not all the time, but they are looking to sell a model. And it's money-based. We're like – we'll just use you for example. But like you're not out there selling all your methods because it's just not what you want to do. And so it's hard – it's hard when the path to get there for most people coming in with that low barrier entry is I have to go to this seminar, this seminar, this seminar. But a lot of the badass dudes aren't putting out that information. You know what I mean? Like in, in a way in which they, it, yeah. The, the, re, the reason why I don't put it out, in my opinion, is number one, a lot of it is not mine, yeah. right? And then number two, I think that if I showed them really the depths of what I am doing with them, Right. Both from a tactical, technical, physical and psychological approach, which was created as a model from Tudor Bampa. If I explain what I was doing with them, they would be irresponsible with that information. They would literally start doing it with the wrong context and do some damage. Because if you pretend that you're a psychologist, if you pretend that you are, you know, a physical therapist or an orthopedic surgeon, you're going to do more harm than good. And that is the problem in our industry. And that's why even with the stronger expert stuff, and you're kind of part of it in the sense of we've kind of talked about it, is that we're kind of moving towards a mentorship-based model at the end of everything. Like, Because there's a difference between like learning information and like reading a book and like having true mentorship. And that's why you you run – you have yeah, mentors all the time. What pays your career, right? Yeah. Can you take it, right? So – you know, people yesterday, you know, a group of coaches asked me, like, just to give them how to teach a squat. And I said, listen, I said, I, I gave them a stack of papers. I said, this is exactly how I coach every exercise, right? Um, and there's different, like, components of every exercise I do, right? There is going to be a, um, you know, there, there's going to be a position pattern power. There's going to be a, um, you know, base target posture for everything we do. There's going to be a... Uh, the coaching cues for every exercise we do, and there's going to be the common problems so we could address them. We could go through, there's a hundred papers. We could go through a hundred exercises and I could just give you the template or we could go through one and I could literally show you that addressing just a squat, 
ha- everything has an intention behind how we do everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just up to you. How deep do you want to go? And the problem is the people that could only go two inches deep suck. So um, and, and that's the one thing I think podcasts like yours exposes a lot of people to greater depths of information. You could listen to one person and go, I want to go down that nutritional biochemistry track. Oh, I want to go down this bodybuilding track. Oh, I want to go down this fitness professional track. You know, and where I am in my career, I, in a lot of ways, come full circle. But, like, I want to do two things, really. Like, I want to I want to take a handful of athletes. And when I say handful, I have a, a very small group of team, you know, 15 and 20 guys that I will probably keep with me personally and develop long term. Now, my company trains 150 a day. Right. But I want to have a small group of people that I could really dive deep into and work with them for a lifetime. And, yeah, it's nice to have some of them that go to the Olympics. And, yeah, it's nice to have some of them, you know, play on the pro stage. Um, But I think the biggest thing is what I could do with them, like long term. And then I want to be able to impact coaches that are willing to have the patience for their development that own businesses and want to do it right. And that's it. Like, And because I understand that, that's what I want to do. Like, that's where I'm going to put my effort. I am not interested on anybody that's listening to this podcast that thinks I'm a dick and don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Go talk shit about me. I don't care. I promise you I'm not going to lose sleep about it, right? Go do hip thrusts. Go do whatever you want to do. I don't give a shit. But to the one person that says, ooh, like, I don't know something and I'm interested in hearing his opinion, I would give him, you know, hours upon days. Like, you know, Jamaica, we woke up at 4.30. I went to bed at 2 every night. Non-stop. And I coached all day long. Yeah. And I never stopped coaching. I debriefed. I did all of that. Because those people bought the right to see me at a totally different spectrum than anybody that sees me online or at a conference. Yeah. Well, and, and it, to pay the price and put the time in, that, that's you a, deserve the opportunity. That's another thing, too. So we talk about mentorship. But, like, if even with that event, we'll, we'll use that event, for example. Like, if you're putting almost $2,000 on the line – um, you, you, you earn the, you didn't, haven't earned it, but like you've shown that you care enough that you want to go there. And I don't think exactly. a lot of people get that opportunity because they don't put their money where their mouth is. And I think that that gives them the right to learn some of this stuff because they put in the hard work, which in this, that context was travel and money, but I don't think a lot of people would do it like that. And that's, that's straight up. And I think because right. they've, because they've done that, they've earned that right. All right, real quick, uh, Justin, how much time do you got left? I'm, I'm all yours, man. All right, three hours. Andrew, three hours. I, I, I know how to set him off. Like, we can go two it's hours. Been, it's been, what, fucking two years, right? So um, so uh, one thing I actually wanted to bring it back and something a bit maybe broader, because a lot of our audience is probably a bit more general, you know, fitness industry versus some of the more applied, like, athlete-type stuff. But I think anyone who's listening to this is going to get a lot of really great perspective and coaching out of it. And I usually say this at the end, but I actually hope you guys will go and follow Justin because you're going to get exposed to some stuff. You're not getting exposed to with a lot of the mainstream fitness industry people, and you're going to get some really good unvarnished ideas. Uh, He's not going to sugarcoat shit for you. So go follow his work. But I was going to ask you, what do you see being done well in the fitness industry, the broader fitness industry? And maybe some of the stuff that we you feel like the industry is focused on that really doesn't matter, that it, people are just wasting their time thinking about. Well, I think what's going well right now is the fact that um, if you look at an organization like CrossFit, which everybody that knows me is going to listen to this and go, oh, shit, Cavs going to shit on them right now. But what they've done, and I think we've discussed this, and it's just fascinating They've created an amazing culture around one of the hardest things in American culture, which is fitness. Like a spade a spade, it shit's hard, right? Like in the sense of like if you're if you're out of shape and you don't feel good, like you don't want to work out. Like I, I was an athlete. Like I didn't love the gym. I did it because I was required, right? Did I love training and sprinting and pushing and all that stuff? Yes, but did I love getting in the weight room and pushing the iron around? Not really. I like to put my helmet on and bang. That's what I like to do. But you know. I think what, what, what that organization has done well is made people um, – it, it's made the barbell sexy again, and it's definitely created a culture around something around consistency mm-hmm. that is very difficult, right? It's like how do we make nutrition sexy again, 
right? If, if you could do that same exact thing, because there's no difference between eating good food and eating bad food other than the decision to buy good food versus buying bad food. But we have this kind of like mental block around it, right? So if we could figure out a way to do that, I think our industry today is better than it ever has been. Better than it ever has been around like, guys, like the lifestyle is like, part of it is fitness. It's no longer like, oh, you're an exerciser. Oh, you actually train. It's now like a real part of like understanding <coughs> mental health is like you got to physically move in order to be mentally strong. And I think that is a testament to the fact that the barrier of entry is so low in that your mom, cousin, brother could get into the industry because they want to help people. Nobody got in the industry because they really want to make a ton of money. So the fact that they got into it to help people means the world to me. <laughs> we got some feedback there. That was Ozzy. So the cat made an appearance. Um, usually it's a like everything is suck, but, um, you know, I, I think, um, I think people are attaching themselves to belief systems that they haven't applied yet yeah. or they don't but understand they, completely. Yeah. So like, I would, um, I would, I would, I would say this, if you listen to somebody that is, that you like go, Oh wow, that's intriguing. But you don't, or you think that like you like it or you get it or you want to learn more about it. And yet you don't follow up with that individual yeah. or you don't go do or try what that person said. You've missed the point completely. Your actions, right. Will dictate your ability, um, to later understand something because you can never just understand it by reading. Yeah. Well, and that's even, we, we talked about it before, like a lot of those belief systems come from other people's belief systems. So if you're not even willing to go figure out where that came from and you're just willing to take it at surface level, I think that you misses the point a lot of times because the answer isn't, it usually isn't the end product. It comes from a lot of shit that informed that. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes they get so, they get so disconnected from the, the, the root, um, the, the, the source, they get so disconnected from the source that the intention gets lost. Yeah. Let's ask him about reading. So we always ask <laughs> for guesses. Read. So it's too bad pe people can't see the video of this because you got the man up poster behind your shoulder. You got the man up mug that you've been drinking from. You got the man up shirt. I mean, this guy is. That's my library. Too. It's camp. pretty big. Yeah. Okay, big ass library. There. So this is where we're going. This obviously, you know, you've got this book and you know, you've been successful with that, but what kind of stuff are you reading? Like maybe it's a, a book that's really been foundationally influential in your career or something recent that's been really magic or just something that you'd want to share to say to people, Hey, you'll be a better person because you read this. Um, so like you can't work for me unless you read how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Like you can't even work for me. Um, First so that's my father ever told me to read. Yeah. Yep. Great book. So, um, so that's like the first thing. Number two, um, after that, like you've seen my just office library. I have a full library at home as well. And then I have a whole bunch of books in storage. I, uh, it's funny because I, I'm actually a really poor reader, right? Like I didn't read to my son out loud, you know, uh, for a year because I was like, I sounded damn retarded and my, my, you know, my wife would look at me like, why do you, why do you read like that? I'm like, thanks. <laughs> like, I read like that Cause that's how my brain processes stuff. But, um, I do try really, I do read a lot. Um, and I also realized like, I'm not trying to read a book and every page I flip is about like content. I read a book and understand like the author has like story told this a certain way for a reason. And if I could get, you know, in 10 minutes, what someone took 10 years of their life to create, it's super valuable. And out of respect, I, I realize that the author puts the work in and I want to learn that. So it's all context dependent, uh, from a training perspective, right? Um, you know, I, I mentioned Ian, and, you know, I mentioned Trumpa, uh, and I, it depends who you ask me to talk about. Um, I'm a big fan of, like I said, Dale Carnegie's work, Robert Greene's work. Um, yeah. if we're looking at like humor stuff, like it's like David Sedaris, right? So it just depends on like who, what you're into. So it would probably be impossible to summarize all the great stuff that's out there. But I think anybody who hasn't read how to win friends and influence people is, is missing the original. Like that book's what a hundred years old or more and yeah. it's, it still holds up really well. So yeah, there's a good one. Well, it'll teach you how to navigate. I don't know, like your career, 
in the terms like we talked about it earlier like you, you can what is it there's people at the seminars who like are going there with the intention just to get something out of it and some people are going there for like whatever their true intention and, and that book helps you navigate those spaces so you don't look like a jerk <laughs> well yeah i mean don't be a douche like at the yeah. end of the day, like yeah i might be a dick to you but i'm not an ass like i'm not gonna be like i'm not gonna degrade you like if 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 there's a question i have no problem answering it we might have difference of opinions right if you you know, I if I big time somebody, it's because I it's got lost in the shuffle and I have forgot to respond to them. But it's not because I totally have a disregard for who they are as a person. So if somebody reaches out to you, right? Like I think that's you know not that you have an obligation to follow back up, but like that's an honor, right? If someone asks me a question, then and the question's Googleable, well maybe they want my perspective because they trust my opinion and I value that tremendously. Well, I think you could see that. I think, um, and Andrew's met you in a different setting than I met you, um, but you're very aware of what's going on. And it's not that you're calculated, but you're a different person when the guard comes down, but you're also not a dick. You know what I mean? Like, even though, like, you'll be very honest and, and we'll shoot the shit and say these things, like, you're not like that all. Like, you're if you meet someone for the first time, you're not like, fuck your system, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know when to, yeah, you know when to say Because at the shit. same time, you have to respect the fact that, well, obviously they've had success. So who am I to talk? Who am I to judge? And that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge <laughs> thing because most people won't do that. Well, I'm not going to say most people won't do that, but a lot of people won't enter situations with like their best foot forward, if that makes sense. Well, why don't you enter a situation and say, okay, instead of how can I sell to you, how can I serve you? Yeah. And like, what can I bring get, to the table? Get the whole, like, I want to sell you how good my shit is. How about I just, can I just serve you? And at the end of the day, it'll all come back around. Yeah, it, it'll, well, it'll figure goes, itself out. That goes to the earlier thing we were talking about delivering value and being a pro versus getting paid, right? You go in with the attitude that, hey, I want to make money. Well, first of all, the fitness industry is not a good place to start out and make a lot of money. You said that yourself. If you deliver value really fucking well and you gain experience at the top end, you make a fuck ton of money. You actually can do really well, but you know, the, the entry level, you ain't getting paid shit at this point. So, um, that's going to take a while to get there. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, like, you know, number one, do you want to be, um, famous or do you want to be rich? Right. Do you want to be, um, do you want to be one of the best in the world or do you want to be known? And I think when you start to ask yourself those questions, what someone else's opinion, like, do, like who's that opinion that matters to you? So just like I talked about this story before about Dali and Picasso, right? Do you care about what the world thinks of you, right? Or do you care about what your mentor or your athletes think of you? And at that point, like that matters more in my opinion than um, what the general public thinks about me. I, I care about the the one to 2% of people that listen to this and say, you know what, Cav, like, I get it. I got some questions. Let's talk. I'm in. Well, someone's trying to get a hold of you, so we should probably let you go. You, enjoy you, have, your a, day. you have a landline? Like, what is this? Guys, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on here. Uh, obviously, we got to let people know where to find you on social media or online or anyone who's interested in consuming more of your stuff. So uh, where do we find you? Uh, best place right now for me is Instagram just because it's super easy to keep track. Plus, it's always fun to open up the conversation with context because, you know, my, my handle is at Coach Cav with a K, K-A-V. Um, but the cool part is, is you get like a little glimpse of the cable guy the inside that person's life. So someone messages me, right? I could just look at them and see if I want to interact, right? Um, <laughs> I, I apologize that I don't have a six pack and I'm tanned uh, and a full set of hair. Um, but if I did, my father would be through the roof. I tell you what, Hey, if there's one thing I would do is I would totally whore out my abs. If I had them, if I had like a straight six pack, I, I, I'd be blown up. I wrote that's about probably this. The best place. Yeah. I just wrote about this a couple days ago and fuck it. We got to do this. Um, and it's a pet peeve of mine when people get up on their fucking moral high ground and they're like, Oh, fitness professionals, you shouldn't take your clothes off. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, to each their own. What, first of all, why the fuck are you worried about what someone else is doing, right? Dude, I pit it's, my son out, man. My following goes through the roof every time I make a post to my son. Yeah. Every there you time. go, right? Every so single time. And, I'm like, hey, listen, it's time for him to start earning college tuition right now. He's two years old. 
He's already running. I'm analyzing his technique, right? And he runs like <laughs> his mother. But I'm okay because as long as he's got his mother's like brains, I'm good. But I'm telling you right now, man, my, you want to see my following go through the roof? Just po- watch me post k- things of, at my boy. Yeah. No, I if really I think that. Me, man, I just I start losing. I'll be get blocked. I actually think this, like, I think, okay, just because someone has, like, six-pack abs, they look good. I mean, we know the ones who are just putting a camera under their crotch and doing dumbbell rows, the girls, or the guys, for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> right? But <laughs> if somebody looks fucking amazing, it, it's not a guarantee that they actually know how to coach anyone else. There's a lot of physique competitors that shouldn't be talking to other humans. But it's also not a guarantee that they, they aren't a great coach. At the same time, you know, like you alluded to earlier, you could have the... They get, and because they don't look the part, that does not guarantee they're a good trainer either. So I just think that our industry could really kind of just not worry so fucking much about what other individuals are doing and whether or not they've got a a shirt off or if they're wearing a bikini or some bullshit like that. Let the credentials or coaching, all that stuff speak for itself too. It's it's not just about what you see. And I don't resent someone who's good at promoting themselves because they look good, right? I agree. Stop worrying about what other people think. Like, stop trying to prove other people wrong and focus on proving yourself right. Figure out what you want to do and just do that. I wish you could just take the like button off, keep the comments on, and build the interactions and not worry about the damn, like, superficial numbers. And I guarantee you that will change the way you start posting. Sweet. All right. Thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. And, and good guys, like, go follow Cav. Uh, Go see what he's all about. Uh, he's a smart dude, and he's been successful for a really long time for a reason. And it's not because he's got six-pack abs or takes his shirt off. So. He, can't, he can't read, but he, he's got, he, reads, he has a lot of books. And he writes, too. So You can't read aloud, but you can write a book. That, Appreciate a, you guys. I really do. Thanks so much. Shut up and sit down.